Hello and welcome to another episode of Downton Gabby. We are discussing season six, episode five. A rather shocking episode that brought in some unexpected gore. I'm excited to discuss with you all. I'm Shannon in Oakland. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles. And I'm Teresa coming to you from Toronto, Canada. So exotic. It's very exotic. <laughs> I'm visiting my my parents and I just want to give a little shout out to them because they were helping me live tweet last night. <laughs> so I kept quoting stuff that my mother and father were saying during the show as the color commentators. <laughs> they were quite the hit, actually. They 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 don't fully understand Twitter, but I showed them all the RTs. <laughs> they were pretty excited. So awesome. Yay, parents. Well, I thought this moment with Lord Grantham was up there with the Red Wedding, with the lawnmower and Mad Men. <laughs> oh, the lawnmower! God about the lawnmower. I was like, oh my God! I was screaming. I, I was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be live tweeting, but I was so shocked. I was like, is this actually happening? I mean, it was horrifying, but it was also like kind of funny and campy. And yeah. Just mm -hmm. like, what's happening here? Like, I yelled. I was like, oh, my God. And then I really wanted to go back and watch it again. And then I was like, no, I can't because I was also on Twitter and I didn't want to be behind. So <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what to do. There's there's some good <laughs> gifts out there, though, right? Oh, we went on a gift hunt um, after the show was over. And Vanity Fair had a whole set of them of all places. Vanity Fair. Yeah, seriously. Before BuzzFeed? <laughs> That's kind of shocking. And I was just, they, it was an old article from when it aired in the UK. So I'm like, so glad that I didn't see it. Yeah. Kind of shocking <laughs> right. that that kept under wraps. It was delightful. <laughs> you guys, are we monsters? <laughs> I mean, I'm a pretty big horror fan anyway. So this is right up my alley. Like Cora splattered in blood. Yeah. Granny like all shocked. And then Isabel just like putting down her napkin and being like, turn him on his side. Like do this. <laughs> She's a woman of action. <laughs> In the GIF, when he's spewing and you can see her just, like, getting ready by putting down her napkin, it's so funny to me. <laughs> um, which one of you was saying that that you thought Hugh Bonneville must have loved shooting this scene? Is it one of you? It might have been, it might have been one of our Twitter, Twitter friends. Oh, yeah. It was one of our Twitter friends. Yeah, just the, so he's a really playful guy, and I think he likes to mm -hmm. have fun. And this must have been just um, a treat for him, like a gift that he, he got to spew blood all over the dining room. I mean, how did they keep a straight face? Like, I just don't think <laughs> if I was filming that scene that I could do it, especially if the blood was splattering my face. I just don't think I'd be able to keep it. <laughs> I've got to hear some behind the scenes because... If you break during a scene like that, it's going to take forever to reset, yeah, right? right. With, the, with the trick blood and you'd have to change your costume and everything. Like, I just bet there was some prop guy on the side who was just so pissed uh -huh. <laughs> every time they had to redo it. And yeah, Hugh Bonneville, I don't know if you guys have been staying tuned after the episodes to see the little, um, like, montages that PBS has been mm -hmm. doing where they show the scenes and then the actor reacting to the scenes. And they're, he's always cracking up over something that happened. So probably, yeah, they had to do it a few times, I would guess. Also, you know, Neville Chamberlain, Minister of Health, is sort of like, well, I think I should go. Well, he's <laughs> no help at all. <laughs> I should really go. Yeah, he's no help. You've got the minister 
I keep wanting to say Minister of Magic, guys. It's really bad. <laughs> that, that's for later when we talk about Sprout's first name. I yeah, think. exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But the Minister of Health, I mean, you think he would know something about medicine. <laughs> no. No. Well, we'll talk about Neville Chamberlain later. Um, but that that just struck me as very funny that he was just like, okay, I, I should go. <laughs> Yeah. It was nice that given all the shit that Dr. Clarkson has gotten in the last few episodes, he got to have one moment where he like immediately knew what was happening and what to do. Yeah, that's totally true. I I think Clarkson's been so maligned over the years. I mean, don't forget the thing where Sybil died. It wasn't his fault. (laughs) He had to claim it was sort of his fault. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking all the way back to season one when he was like, pish tosh this adrenaline or whatever you want to do and wouldn't listen to Isabel's new remedy for that guy. Like, I can't remember at all. I remember there's a needle involved. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Very, very conservative about what he wanted to do to treat the guy and, and, and was very wrong in his prognosis and diagnosis, so. He, he was just super cautious. That was the tractor guy. That's the guy that Edith Ooh. ends up having her little naughty tractor affair with. Ooh. Oh my god. I've really got to go back and watch those early seasons oh, yeah. again. They're, they just keep on giving those shows. <laughs> I was I was actually very touched when he Cora came, you know, went down to the floor where he was and he says to her, whatever happens, I want you to know, you know, how much I've loved you or something like that, which I thought was very sweet. And she said, this isn't mm-hmm. it. This isn't it. And watching it again, it's so touching. I mean, I'm a big sap, but it's so touching. And their love story has been a nice story arc the entire show. Yeah, it's been a nice. It has. It's nice to see a couple that's like been through a lot and then gotten stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and Cora's gotten stronger. I mean, I love seeing her go head to head with, with, granny you know i mean the dowager is a bully and she's like you know i'm countess grantham you know i can make the decisions here and i like seeing her fight for her power and her place so that brings up an interesting point that i think shannon you had said was in the tom and lorenzo uh recap and they're always fascinating on these topics uh of whether there would be a now a power struggle between cora and mary without Lord Grantham sort of as the default decision maker, uh, both of them have been really coming into their own this season on these decision-making powerful women levels. Uh, what happens when the two of them disagree about something important? Right. Mm, that's interesting. Well, hopefully Cora will have her hospital to keep her busy, so she won't, you know, be worried about the house as much yeah, i think mary's got her pigs and cora's yeah. got her hospital <laughs> and you know as much as this hospital storyline has been such a snooze fest i have to step back and think you know what it's really cool that there's a bunch of women arguing about how to make a hospital better like they're not arguing about dresses or stupid shit you know like hats off to julian for making women fight for something that actually matters you know, speaking of, you know, Mary saying basically that she and Tom are just going to run things because it's too much stress for Lord Grantham. How is his life that stressful? Let's just. <laughs> I'm pretty sure 
the booze and the food and all of that probably contributed to the ulcer just as much as his fretting over whether they're gonna, you know, give Mr. Mason a farm. Like, this is not stressful. He doesn't even button his own coat. Like, I don't, I'm sorry, this just is not flying with me. But listen, you guys, this is why it's helpful to be sitting next to your dad when you're watching Downton mm. Abbey, because my dad is like, ulcers are not caused by stress. They're caused by bacteria in the digestive system. So <laughs> there you so go. There you go. So, you know, drinking too much or eating the wrong food might exacerbate it, but ulcers are actually not directly tied to stress. So they're really? wrong. I am learning yeah. so much from your dad. By I know. Proxy. I know. <laughs> my, pa- my parents are very, were very helpful, honestly. Um, but yeah, so keeping him from whatever stress he may have, although I, it couldn't be really that much, um, is it's more, more important is keeping him from his booze, basically. Mm, that seems tougher. Yeah. Yeah. Tougher. Oh, and I love a good drunk Lord Grantham. So mm-hmm. Drunk donk. <laughs> drunk donk, Aww. yeah. Well, what's interesting how this whole emergency really brought out the secret of Marigold and, you know, seeing a lot of confusion out of, is Mary going to take this and be a bitch with it? Or is she going to be sympathetic? What do you guys think? Mary had a really interesting reaction, I thought. Like, I thought one part of it was, you know, what the hell? And the other part mm-hmm. was this sort of, um, like, wow, there might be more to Edith than I thought. Yeah, there was an admiration in her a face. Little bit. Especially yeah. the first time when they said, you know, when it's um, the Dowager and Cora talking about the secret. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know if I was reading too much into it, but the moment when they're going to bed and she sort of says something snarky, like, of course you're going to check on the kids. But then she catches herself and she says goodnight in like a really Mm -hmm. nice tone of voice for Mary. And I was pairing that with the moment a couple episodes ago when she um, was complimentary about what Edith is doing at the magazine. And just thinking like, yeah, she's so used to acting in a certain way, but there's definitely hints that her attitude towards Edith is evolving. And there's a moment earlier when um, the minister dinner and it's um, Tom, Mary and Edith talking and she was Edith's talking about being up in London. She goes, oh, you know, I hired an editor and Mary goes, oh, a lady editor. And and mm-hmm. she seems approving of it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a shift happening. I think Mary can't quite figure out how she's supposed to be acting because she'll say something nice and then she'll say something really dismissive. Like she can't fully be complimentary or supportive. Right. Right. I would really like to finish this series with Mary and Edith having some kind of understanding between them. If not, like they're the best of friends, maybe just some kind of detente Mm -hmm. um, where they're not only out to destroy each other's lives. Um, that would be pretty satisfying. Yeah. I think Edith's buried the hatchet. I mean, she's just now wants to have her own life, but she doesn't want to take anything away from Mary. And I don't know that Mary really has any active thoughts in that manner towards Edith either, but I think she's just so much more stuck in her ways than Edith right. is that she doesn't know how to act differently, even if her feelings are changing. So I agree. Like I, Some kind of begrudging 
admission of that and sort of them having mutual respect and being allies, if not friends, I would find very satisfying. Yeah, that would be really nice. So Edith has definitely got all kinds of stuff going on in her life, including inviting a man to her apartment. For those chic little cocktails. What? So racy. Oh my God, that outfit she was wearing when uh. they kiss. Okay, I cried both times watching that scene because I'm so hungry for a rom-com <laughs> because they don't exist anymore. And it was just like this perfect romantic moment. It was so perfect. I loved it. It was so perfect. And like, it was so perfect, not just because it was romantic and it was this great setting and they're drinking cocktails and they're all dressed up and everything, but he really like knows her and loves her. It's just, it's so nice to have yeah. that. But I love her response that it's like, oh, you don't even know me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yes and no, right? Like you can tell when you're sort of kindred with somebody and like, the getting to know them part is going to be the fun yeah. part and you already know that. So just because you don't know all the details yet doesn't mean you're not sure. Right. Right. Although she's of course like, even though I'm an Earl's daughter and you're an estate agent, I'm really not good enough for you. And that's because I have an illegitimate <laughs> child from the man who left me this apartment and the magazine. No, I don't think that's why she thinks that. I think she's, I don't think it has anything to do with her circumstances. I think it's because no one has ever really loved Edith, except Michael Gregson and maybe Rosamund. But no one has really loved her and been kind to her. And I don't think she knows what that quite looks like. She had the same attitude with Gregson all the way up until the end, too. She never really believed that. Or, I mean, she knew that he loved her, but there was always a disbelief like, really? You're going to go get a divorce? For right. Me? Really? That's true. Okay, that's true. I mean, I was just thinking all along that it's because of her shameful secret. I don't think she's that. I don't think it's that shameful to her. I think she's going to tell him on the next date. You think so? Yep. I do. Mm. Can we just give her snaps for making yeah. out with a new bow in her old bow's apartment? Because I just love that. <laughs> oh, it was it was a really perfect scene. That that's one of those gifts, you know that that. Are just so great but don't you think it's weird that he doesn't really wonder how she's come to have this apartment and magazine like what like what do you think he's, he's really just like oh the rich well, <laughs> they have things maybe <laughs> i mean he knows that it's from michael maybe he doesn't care i think he's kind of a modern guy i mean i think he assumes that you know this isn't her first rodeo yeah, maybe maybe so. Maybe he just doesn't care, which makes him even more awesome, right. frankly. And it's yeah. pretty awesome for her being the second daughter that there's not all this pressure that she has to marry at the same level like Mary was expressing, that she only wants a rich dude, you know, and she mm -hmm. can kind of be free to marry whoever. Right. I mean, not tractor lover, in but... In Mary's defense, in Mary's defense, I got more... No man who doesn't have my level of power and responsibility will be able to deal with what my life actually is than I want a rich dude. Yeah, I <laughs> okay. conversation yeah. with Tom. I totally agree, Brandy. I really think that's what's going on. I don't think it's a matter of title or money. I think it's like I need someone who's as strong and powerful as me. Because yeah, I, I think that's have... fair. Or like even like it reminds me of like in, you know, Notting Hill when she doesn't think she can date someone who's not famous, he'll never he'll never get it. Yeah. Right. Right. But eventually you come around and you realize that it's about more than that. <laughs> I think people are being a little unfair to Mary, having all these conversation with 
conversations with her about what a snob she is. Well, I don't think that's fair. I mean, she does have true responsibilities that don't exist for someone who's not at her level, right? Right. And what if she did marry Henry? Would he come to Downton and live there and hang around? No. And, you know, race his cars around? And, I mean, I don't... That's the dilemma, because if he would, then now he's a beta male, and Mary doesn't want that. <laughs> she wants somebody who's gonna... She's gonna spar yeah, with, Yeah, she right? wants to be thrown around in bed. You know it. <laughs> She yeah. doesn't want to be on top all the time. Well, this is what take why I always go back to the fact that I don't think that they're a good couple for getting married. I don't see it, honestly. I think she loves flirting with him. I think he's really hot and charming. But I do not see marriage material. I mean, but we're a little late in the game to be introducing another suitor. And, uh, you know, with that we're not with the Tom and Mary shippers either, so... Right. Are we back to thinking that she's going to be, you know, the single queen of the estate? That's my hope. That I would be very happy if that happened. I think we're going to meet her suitor in, like, the final episode. And it's just going to be hinted that they're going to be together forever. I don't think it's Mr. Yum Yum. I thought this date was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, if I was, like, trying to be subtle, making subtle plans with someone, and my friend was like, you two obviously just need to get a room, like, that would be a recipe for a drinking room. Oh, Tom. poor Tom. Like, get yeah. out of here. That was so clunky and kind of rude. But yeah. yeah. So awkward. <laughs> Again, I have to say that if you're looking to ship someone with Henry, it's Tom and not Mary. Well, and Tom and the minister. I was hoping he was going to get a job with the minister. Tom was an eager beaver all over the place on this episode. He's not like a little too happy to be back. Like, just calm down. I feel that too. Like, just take it down a notch. It's not that great. I was glad that he was talking to the minister and not putting some kind of black liquid in his soup or whatever that was that he had done. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a real, it's it's quite a change that, you know, Tom is like rescuing the minister from some awful conversation with Granny and they're chatting off in the corner and it's pretty, it's pretty different. Right. He would have been out slashing his tires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, can we, can we talk about Neville Chamberlain for a moment? Because, um, he, so he, he became prime minister of England in 1937. Um, and Neville Chamberlain is most famous or notorious for, um, his appeasement deal with Hitler, um, basically, Hitler said, I want to invade Czechoslovakia. Are you okay with that? Uh, I won't bother you guys in the UK if you don't get in our way. And Neville Chamberlain says, okay, basically. And he's so he wanted to keep England out of the war. And also, I mean, the UK is full of Germans and Nazi sympathizers anyway. So relations with Germany were fairly cordial before the war. But anyway, he's really famous for that. And I was laughing my ass off with his dialogue because when you listen to what he's saying first of all he's like oh granny can get me to do anything she wants and I don't want to get in mixed up in the affairs of other people and, and these were all little throwaway lines he had in the show and I, I, I feel like nerd that I am the writing staff was having a lot of fun <laughs> with this with with the whole never Neville Chamberlain Everything he says means something else. And I do think that Granny, you know, being a incredible tactician, 
um, should have been preparation for him for dealing with uh, your Fuhrer, you know, 10 years later. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted she would have been a great military general if she'd been born a man. Yeah, and she was totally, she totally had him doing whatever. If if Robert wouldn't have um, puked out blood all over the table, that hospital plan would be done. Hmm. <laughs> well, maybe Robert's on Cora's side, and he's like, I know how to end this conversation. <laughs> And the hospital storyline. I know how to. I know how to make this end. I'm gonna put this red dye in my mouth, and then I'm gonna puke it all <laughs> over. So funny. Well, speaking of another dick, what the fuck is up with Carson? <laughs> Belinda. Oh, I thought you were gonna talk about oh. Dicky. No, Dicky's just basically wallpaper at this point. Yeah, it's too bad. I know. I really like him, but. Carson being such a jerk to Mrs. Hughes and then in front of her staff, that was beyond. Now, I have never supported this relationship and now I full on hate it and I want her to get a divorce. Already? Yes. He has, that was so belittling and mean. It was mean is what it was. Yeah, he was, he was pretty awful. I actually introduced the fuck you Carson yeah. um, hashtag last night because it just it was it was awful but I mean the women were laughing at him so you got to give them that no but if you watch it again Mrs. Patmore kind of goes eek like at the end I mean they all looked awkward and Mrs. Hughes kind of looks sad I mean what does he want like they leave their jobs at the house and they go home and she makes them dinner and then they go back to the house I don't know. I mean, she hasn't cooked since she's been there, you know, and it, compared to Mrs. Patmore, who's a five-star chef, I mean, he had no patience or sympathy or grace for her. Yeah, it was hard to watch. You know, she's trying. Yeah. yeah, she's trying. And it was like, what kind of perfectionist are you that you're going to, you're building a relationship with her. You don't just belittle her. That's the problem. He hasn't had a relationship where he wasn't the boss giving feedback about the bouillon spoon mm -hmm. for 40 right. years, right? Mm -hmm. So now their playing field is different because, you know, she can't just say like, okay, I'm no, I'm not going to come to your study for port tonight. Like they're married. So yeah, it was super awkward to watch. And it's just like, I know it's 1925. I know the expectation is the wife makes dinner. But really? Really? <laughs> is she going to be expected to darn his socks next? Like, what is this? I think it's weird when you have uh, a chef on staff that cooks everyone's meals. The idea that then you would go home and cook your own meal is weird to me. They're busy people. They don't have a lot of time for this. Yeah, Bates and Anna don't do that. I think it's like date night, you know? They don't, there's no restaurants. Oh, can we go down to the village and see a motion picture or something? That's date night. <laughs> Come on, there's a new Valentino out. That's right, exactly. <laughs> go to the pub and, yeah. She's going to need to speak her mind, but it was kind of classic because the facial expressions between the women, it was just like, Women can express so much to each other in a glance, and men are completely oblivious oh, that yeah. this is happening. Mm -hmm. It is like a biological level of communication <laughs> that is going on all the time that they just are clueless about. Although Daisy was being clueless that Mrs. Patmore is kind of looking at Mr. Mason a little differently. 
Yeah. And Dave's <laughs> being a dick. She was being a dick. That would be a cute couple. I would I would like that one. Except Mrs. Patmore has her own house too, which I forgot about. So I don't know how much room there is for everybody to move. Oh no, the this farm. is how it's gonna go. This is gonna how it's gonna go. Mrs. Patmore and Mr. Mason are gonna get together. Daisy and Andy are gonna get together, double wedding, sense and sensibility style. They all move into the house, <laughs> take care of the pigs. I don't know where Mrs. Patmore's other house comes into play. <laughs> Thomas takes it over and makes it a bed and breakfast. <laughs> well, that's what she's doing. She's she's planning some kind of Airbnb setup with her house. She's planning to rent the house out like a bed and breakfast kind of thing. How far away is this? I need to know so that we can plan this, okay? Like, can the jam make it fresh made <laughs> to the bread and breakfast every day? No, I don't have a sense of distance at all. I don't even have a sense of how far the cottages are from the big house. You know, so when Anna and Bates go to their cottage, like how far are they walking? How far is it? I need some kind of nerd map, like what you get at the beginning of like a high fantasy Mm -hmm. game of Thrones tells you exactly how far people are having to like trek to Mordor. Like I I really want to know the full geographical details because it really is going to come into play when we're talking about how everybody's going to end up at the end of the season. Well, Brandy, you must have been happy about that Andy and Thomas are going to have secret reading and writing lessons together. Oh, my God. I mean, this full-on Jordan Cantalotto can't read mm-hmm. storyline was like, <laughs> perfect. Um, I just love it because... It gives Andy some personality, finally, which he already was getting from, you know, finally speaking to uh, Bates and Anna about what was going on with Thomas. They got to have a moment where they were actually pleasant Mm -hmm. and providing some usefulness to the the storyline. But the fact that he can't read makes the way that he looks at Daisy and her studies so cute to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he really admires her for working so hard. Oh, my gosh. And then Thomas is going to get to actually do something if he teaches Andy how to read. I just, ugh. The whole thing was so cute It's so me. cute, yeah, it was nice. but I have a question of how much pig theory could there be? Like, <laughs> he gave him, like, a stack of books. And he's like, you really need to understand the theory. You know, you can, if you go to, like, an ag school, you can basically major in animal husbandry. So I think there's, like, a lot that you can learn. All right. So do we think that they're going to basically pair all of them off? There's a lot of pairing off, potentially, to do here. I don't know if everyone's going to get paired off all that neat and tidy. No, someone's still got to go to jail. It's also, it's almost quicker to, like, try to de- decide who's not getting paired off. And I, who, yeah, pretty much everyone downstairs is taken care of, right? If we've got Mosley and Baxter. And, They've really cooled right, off, though. Daisy. Yeah, I don't know. She's a little annoyed with him. I mean, that, this Baxter storyline is just, like, snooze what? fest. <laughs> you know, Julian's obsession with having to, like, go to court for things. Yeah. And then what is that all nothing about? Nothing even happens with this one. Like, literally, they just, like, settle out of court or something. Yeah, that was, I mean, these, these court things are pointless to begin with. But to get to court and it's like, oh, everything happened off screen. Everything's fixed. We don't have to do anything. We're going home. But it wasn't even that everything happened off screen, which he's done to maddening effect before. 
But nothing actually had to happen. It wasn't like she testified and then we saw her later. Right. She didn't even have to testify. No, we just saw the what witness the list and took a plea. Right. Which is weird. <laughs> Unless this guy is now going to break out of prison, show up at Down and get into a knife fight with Mosley. Like, <laughs> I do love that Carson is also annoyed by Sergeant Willis coming over all the time. Carson is our <laughs> surrogate. Why is he here again? Nobody knows. <laughs> the one time I've agreed with Carson about anything. Right. But Sergeant Willis needs to fuck off post haste. Well, I also thought the Dedker storyline was a total snooze fest, but Brandy, I'm sure you loved it. I didn't love it. I mean, it's no Brothgate, but uh, right. <laughs> I, I like her and Spratt bickering with each other. I always find it kind of entertaining. So, Do you find it stimulating? No. Septimus probably, probably too much of a stretch there. Septimus Spratt. Yeah, someone was tweeting, what is this, the Ministry of Magic? <laughs> Which I thought was really yeah. funny. Bringing it back around again. Love it. Well, you, people named Septimus are, are named that because they're the seventh child. Oh. He'd be the seventh son of a seventh son, then you have all sorts of powers. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. A Spratt, Spratt also has unplumbed depths, I'm sure. Um, he's just too mysterious. But I was really hoping she would leave. But, I mean, you knew that she was going to then blackmail him about his stupid right. nephew. Yeah, that was too predictable. But, I mean, then what happens if she leaves? Then we get yet another storyline about trying to hire a new maid. Yeah, I can't do it. I think she just she should fade off into insignificance. Right. There's still so much to wrap up. How many more episodes do we have? We have eight episodes plus the Christmas special. So four more episodes. It's not a lot, and really, the drama at the Dowager's house doesn't need to be a big part of moving into a satisfying end of this saga, right? Like, that's always just been sort of a funny little side note. It's not where the heart of the show is, and they should really focus a little more on, like, our core characters and what the rest of their lives are going to be after this. Right. That's what we want to know. All right. Well, what is everyone's one fabulous thing? So I want to shout out to the TV Land series Younger, which is about three episodes into its second season right now, I think, and is just delightful. You know, Sutton Foster is delightful. Hilary Duff has been delightful. She's great. Who, right? I mean, I was too old for Lizzie McGuire, so I never really was on the Hillary Duff train, but she's super great. All, obviously, Debbie Mazar and the rest of the supporting cast, I mean, it's just got, like, so many interesting women on the show. It's it's very white, but, ugh, you know, at least there's a variety of ages in play. It's a great story about female um, friendship on many levels. It it definitely is. It's been really funny. It's It's... In such a weird place. It's on TV land. Like, it's literally, it's lead-in is reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond, which is yeah. fucking ridiculous. But then, like, the last episode opened with a scene of lesbian cunnilingus. So, you know, it's just, it's awkwardly placed in the TV sphere, but it's a solid, solid show. I always laugh out loud at every episode. All the characters are contributing something. The storylines aren't super predictable, even though you kind of think they would be based off of a gimmicky premise. It's 
It's just a really solid good show, so people should check I it out. I second that. I would also say it's a very sweet show. It's nice to watch a comedy where people are generally nice to each other. Yeah, that's a great point. All right. If you guys need more tiaras, I highly recommend War and Peace. I've watched the first <laughs> two of the four episodes of the miniseries, and I'm really enjoying it. Lily James is, of course, wonderful in it. And it's nice and soapy. Um, it's got some great twists and turns. And the sets and the costumes are to die for. Of course, no one speaks in a Russian accent except while singing songs. <laughs> Wait, it's a musical? No, but they're like in, like in the countryside and sometimes they sing songs. You know, this is before TV. People played piano and sang. Oh, Okay, got it. And they all speak in British <laughs> accents, except when they sing these songs, which is oh a little God. awkward and funny, but I'm really liking it. It's been really, really fun. As a huge side note, the funniest thing I've ever heard about complaining about accents in um, movies where people are speaking English, there's an episode of Conan O'Brien from when K-19 The Widowmaker came out. <laughs> where Harrison Ford is like probably drunk on the show going why do we not even have German accents and like Conan O'Brien doesn't even know how to react to his rants about the accents in his own movie he's supposed to be promoting that hasn't even come out yet <laughs> if, if you can find that clip on YouTube it is very very worth watching hilarious cool all right. Well, I was I was going to say my one fabulous thing is a book called Wonder of Wonders, which is a cultural history of Fiddler on the Roof. But when I mentioned it earlier, you guys made so much fun of me that I'm now going to give you. <laughs> I just couldn't be less shocked that that's the last book you read. <laughs> it is the last book yeah, I read. Yeah, it's the nerdiest thing you've ever said, and that's it was already a pretty high bar, and that's a compliment. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you. So let me just say Wonder of Wonders is a, a really great, incredibly researched book about, it's basically the history of Jews in America, frankly, and um, built around creating Fiddler on the Roof and where it came from and then where it went. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, I highly recommend it. But the other thing I want to talk about is um, we know Outlander is starting in April, which I'm totally thrilled about. And the two biggest casting questions have now been answered. So there are two big roles that um, everyone was waiting to see how they would be cast. And I'm not going to tell you who these characters are, but they're pretty important in season two. And one is a woman named Brianna, and she's going to be played by a woman named Sophie Skelton. And the other important role in season two is a guy named Roger, and he's been cast... Um, an actor named Richard Rankin, who's a Scottish actor. So I'm super excited about this, and I'm super excited about Outlander starting up again in um, April. Awesome. Can't wait. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Downton Gabby. Um, you can tweet at us at Downton Gabby. Find us on Facebook at Downton Gabby and on Tumblr at DowntonGabby.tumblr.com. Definitely tweet us your favorite moments, predictions, questions, and we'll answer it on the next podcast. The bloody Valentine. Maybe I'm worried it'll come back around. My hands have been bloodied because I knocked a few down. 
Yeah, maybe I'm worried that this is my 